Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Hypnotic. Your daughter? The park? Wasn't paying attention. Just for a second. Work? I think I'm ready for duty. Do you feel ready? I think it's the only thing keeping me sane. What's the call? Calling to report a bank robbery. Is this crime currently in progress? Today. See that guy on the bench? Do I have a lighter? That guy's up to something. It's very hot today. It's like a furnace. It's, it's like a furnace. There's a safe deposit box. Is that the target? Box 23. Alright everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Hypnotic and the story is as follows. When a detective learns that his missing daughter and a string of high-profile bank robberies might be connected, he must go on a mind-bending journey to find his daughter and stop the secret government agency behind the madness. The film is starring Ben Affleck, Alice Braga, J.D. Pardo, Hala Finley, Deo Ekinini, Jeff Fay, Jackie Earl Haley, and William Finchner. It is... Written and directed by Robert Rodriguez, co-written by Max Bornstein. And here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Giovanni Lago. Hello, everyone. And Josh Parham. Hello, hello. So the plot synopsis says, stop the secret government agency behind the madness. The madness. The madness that is this movie. Ah, man. Robert Rodriguez. What a peculiar filmmaker, right? Wholly distinct, definitely has a style all onto his own. And this is actually one of his more ambitious efforts where it feels like it is attempting to not only capture the same sort of blockbuster, mind-bending, sci-fi action, thriller style of something like Christopher Nolan. Needless to say, it's very interesting how this is starring Ben Affleck. And it has a, you know, pretty interesting cast here. You would think that this would be getting a little bit more of a solid marketing push, um, also given that it's from Robert Rodriguez. But maybe he's just at a point in his career right now where he's struggling to get financing for his films. I'm not exactly sure. I mean, you know, he's had his ups and downs, that's for sure. But, you know, looking at this thing now... uh, Oh, let's just call it like it is. It's a slow weekend. There really wasn't much playing. <laughs> and so here we are with Hypnotic. Oh, boy. Giovanni, we'll start off with you. Yes. What did you think of this movie? 
put it nicely, I absolutely did not like it. <laughs> I genuinely like Robert Rodriguez movies. You know, you mentioned such a interesting and varied career. Um, I mean, who doesn't love Grindhouse? And I like Machete. I know a lot of people, you know, complain about it, but I enjoy for like the pulpy, like violent fun it is. It's an acquired taste cut with a machete. Yeah. And like, okay, and I was also a kid growing up with Spy Kids. So obviously that style, that zany style worked perfectly for me growing up. And I I vividly remember as a kid, like popping out the 3D glasses off the book and watching Spy Kids 3D. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is great. And so he has this unique style that whether you love it or you hate it, it's wholly his. And then you watch Hypnotic and I see what. Robert Rodriguez is going for. He talks about how it's very much he wanted to make like Hitchcockian thriller and he's taking that and juicing it up with sci-fi and everything about it is just so void of what makes me enjoy a Robert Rodriguez movie. Like the pulpy violets isn't there. I, I will say what is still there is usually very cheap and bad dialogue that's still very much here. <laughs> I, it's just such a mess. Like everything about it just does not work for me. Uh, ben Affleck is just sleepwalking. And I mentioned that, you know, Ben Affleck recently has just been on a tear, mainly behind the camera. But like, look, The Last Duel, Air, he's just been so much fun to see on screen. And his character, uh, Rourke, I, I want to, I try to even remember the name, the detective, is just so boring like a lot of this movie is very boring exposition dumps that are just thrown at you by alice braga are just so uninteresting besides the fact that alice braga is like breaking her back trying to make it seem like you care visually it's so drab compared to some of his other films some of the special effects work is um interesting to say the least i i you know for a film that's so much about wanting to be like Hitchcock. It's very much like a Nolan movie. Like it, it reeks of like, I want to make something like inception. And there's whole sequences where there's like train yards and stuff and everything's warping. And it's like literally the Paris sequence. And it doesn't work compared to some of the scenes where they do the editing to show these hypnotic powers and it, it works. And, and you know, there's William Fincher is wasted. I, I can't get over that. That's my guy. Who doesn't love William Finchner? I mean, if you grew up with VHS tapes in the 90s, William Finchner was your guy. <laughs> Look, he's everywhere, okay? And even he was just such a one-note villain. Like, not no ham to even, like, play up, like, the absurdity of it. The only performance in it, I, besides Alice Braga, that, like, is good. I like Jackie Earl Haley. And then even that, you know, it's sacrificed for a twist and we'll probably get into the writing of the movie. A lot of it's just trying to constantly one up itself of like grand twist and plot revelations. And it just falls apart. It, it, it was not for me. You know, this film did have its world premiere at the South by Southwest film festival. And I remember the reactions to it were not good. And there was a review embargo on it as well. Uh, but I kept thinking to myself, you know, it's a work in progress cut. Maybe there's some tweaks that can be done. Maybe it's not finished. Giovanni, though, proving that the South by Southwest crowd was indeed <laughs> correct. Josh, do you agree? Yeah, I uh, mostly agree with, with that assessment. Um, I think that the description of this movie being boring is very accurate. And I was 
shocked, honestly, because Rodriguez's movies, they're not all great, but I at least see where he's coming from and the passion in the project. Like, my joke usually with him is that he either makes movies for his friends or for his kids. And even when they're terrible, at least I could kind of see where the passion for this type of story is coming from. And even if it's not a good movie, I at least recognize why he wants to make it. And I didn't really feel any of that in this film. The The tone does feel so lethargic throughout this whole movie. And I was shocked by that. And yeah, Ben Affleck looks so bored. He looks like he wants to be anywhere else. He's doing the exact bare minimum for this performance. I didn't really find the the mystery to be all that all that interesting. Uh, there is a twist that happens, and I do hope we talk about it a little bit because th- not that the twist was interesting, but I did think it allowed the movie to try to do something that was more interesting that it then quickly abandons, which was disappointing. So the storytelling overall is not really engaging. I will slightly disagree about Fitchner. He does not really go over the top of this movie, but I actually did really like his very chill and mysterious presence. I actually did find that to be a rather captivating element to the film, and there weren't that many, to be honest. But even that is sort of wasted in the the last act, too, where they make him far less interesting. So, yeah, it, it was a movie that I was just struck by how uninteresting it was, and I just really could not connect to it. So, yeah, it's unfortunately a, a pretty... It's a pretty bad movie, and it just, I really am disappointed to say that about a Robert Rodriguez film. So, truth be told, I'm not the biggest Robert Rodriguez fan. I think he's perfectly fine in what he attempts to do, and sometimes his movies can be a lot of fun, but I don't really, I don't really have the same connection with him the way that some others do. I went into this hoping that it would just be a solid thriller. What I ended up getting was I got a thriller that felt like it was out of time. It genuinely felt like it came straight from the 1990s or the early 2000s. It feels so outdated in its overall presentation. And I can admit, even at 94 minutes long, I found it to be incredibly dull and tedious throughout. None of the action scenes excited me. Ben Affleck has said before, I feel like was phoning it in the entire time. And I, I do agree, Alice Braga is like doing everything she literally can to sell this expository dialogue to try and make the film somewhat compelling. But overall... I think the issue is if you don't find Ben Affleck's character compelling, then you're not going to find his plight compelling. And that's the emotional crux of the film. So if you can't get invested in that, everything else is going to fall by the wayside. Now, usually a movie could make up for this with dazzling visuals, thrilling action set pieces. But unfortunately, this movie doesn't seem to have any of those. And I feel at times like, Robert Rodriguez's more scrappy style of, as you said before, Giovanni, like making these pulpy grindhouse films, it feels like it's clashing with wanting to work with a bigger budget to deliver something on the scale of Christopher Nolan. And the two just don't mix together for me. Yeah. And 
I think some of that could have been alleviated if it just had more energy with the overall tone that, yes, obviously Rodriguez is somebody who usually makes movies with very limited means, you know, Alita notwithstanding, but normally, even though his movies don't have this grand spectacle to them, he makes up for it with just this really energetic tone and style to it. And I just found that to be completely absent from this movie. I mean, to be honest with you, I was very surprised that he actually is a writer on this film because this felt to me like a work for hire piece. And it did not have any of the rambunctious style that I usually respond to with this movies, even when the product itself isn't that great. So it really was shocking to me that there was such a lack of effort. It, it seemed on the part of most of the filmmakers and particularly Rodriguez. So kind of going off of that though, it doesn't seem like there's any attempt here, any kind of like social commentary. And if there is, it's completely, I think muddled and hidden underneath like all these as as Giovanni was saying before like it just feels like there's like all these twists and uh they're they're trying to one up each other that by the time you get to the third act I kind of was actually enjoying myself ever so slightly more so for the absurdity of it all I don't know if any of you felt the same way but the third act I thought was actually the strongest but not for the reasons that Rodriguez maybe intended I was more so kicking back, grinning, and saying, yeah, this is a really crappy movie, but I don't know where we're going right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I think after the major reveal, after that, every other twist they did, I kind of was like, yeah, no, I see that, compared to like the big main shift in the story in the third act. But like, there's a whole storyline they set up that is kind of like, because you know Ben Affleck, the whole thing is with his daughter's kidnapped, it's involved in this whole scheme. He meets Alice Braga. And, like, I like the when they were in that motel every, and Finchner is, like, trying to manipulate him. And to, like, hey, you, you can't control it. You're going to accidentally kill her. You're working for me secretly. And they kind of build on that. And then because of the big, like, reveal, that's just entirely flipped. And it's like, oh, did that, like, did that even matter, like, at all? There is a fun element of not knowing what is real, who's working for who and who can be trusted is Ben Affleck, the hero or the villain of this movie. There is like a fun element of that at play throughout. But I also did find that when it was all over and the credits were rolling, I like the act of watching it. There was some element of, Oh, this is a uh, kind of intriguing. Now I wonder where this is all going. But then once the pieces fell into place, the predictability of it all was pretty evident. I, I will say the the one sequence I, I did kind of enjoy in the beginning was the bank robbery because, I mean, you're still just getting introduced to, like, the ideas of the story and, like, these mind control powers and seeing how, like, everything's just kind of breaking into chaos a little bit with, like, that one woman who just walks in front of the truck and then everything's crashing and they're just all, like, all the cops are frazzled and it's, like, separating Affleck from um, his partner. I was like, okay, this is not the worst. Okay, I'm interested. And then the movie kept going. I was like, oh, oh, please, no, stop. It was so flatly executed, though. <laughs> like, it was sort of an interesting idea. And once again, this is why I actually did kind of like William Fichtner in the movie, because I do think that his overall, like, very cool, 
presence was actually a an interesting kind of idea for this villain that was so mysterious and we didn't know anything about and felt so in control without needing to do very much. Like I actually did like whenever he showed up, but these sequences where they want to be more fantastical with the action scenes, I just found them to be so flat and I was not engaged by them at all. I desperately wanted to, and I kind of liked the ideas they were going for, but the overall presentation I just found to be very, very lacking. Okay, so here's something I keep coming back to, and I'm wondering how you all feel about this. I think this movie looks cheap. Yeah, This movie does not look visually stimulating at all. But, but, there is a reveal in the third act that did make me question was that bland look for the film's cinematography its production design was that deliberate that's an interesting question because i also did think about that a little bit in terms of there were some things that were happening in the story that just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me or felt like it was just very poorly planned out writing and then you do get to the twist and it's like i did have a moment of thinking like well is was that supposed to be that way but At the same time, I don't think the movie really does a great job of establishing that at all. And it just more so feels like we have arrived at this reveal and it's just this is now what the the, what the story is doing. And it didn't really feel like anything that came before it had a ton of intentionality behind it. It just felt like we were following what was the necessary pieces of the story. And by the time we got to that point. I think you would be generous to excuse (laughs) some of the issues beforehand. I don't think that that was necessarily intentional. I just think that we are trying to rationalize why some of the weaker elements of the filmmaking and storytelling leading up to that point can maybe be justified slightly, but I don't really think so. Yeah, I I agree with Josh. It's, it's, I'm willing to lean. It's more the latter than like, this was an intentional thing, but I know you were saying, Matt, like how cheaply like the movie's got like what, like a sixty-five million dollar budget? It's big. It's something... No, there's no way this is sixty-five yes. million. Are you out of your mind? No, I, I'm pretty sure it's like sixty-five million dollar budget for this movie. What was Affleck's asking price? Probably most of it. Oh my god, it is! No way. <laughs> yeah. That is how? Shocking. This yeah. is like a thirty million at most. I just blew you guys by. Oh my god! <laughs> so, so I'm watching it, and I'm just like, I remembered someone texting me after I saw it. And I was like, no way, because I was like looking at it, and I was like, where? I assume it's the VFX sequences where they try to do like the whole warping of like the people and the streets and buildings, or again, maybe it is just Ben Affleck. Just you're know, like, hey, we got to get Benny Boy here. Let's just chuck him thirty mil, and then the rest of it is for the budget of the film. I mean, I would love to be paid $30 million to be put into this crap. Ben Affleck probably got paid a lot of money just to sleep on camera. So, I mean, yes. I cannot believe this movie is that expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I got to admit, I did think that the concept for the movie was cool, even though I do feel like we've seen it. Not it specifically, but the presentation of it. Like we said earlier, like in a Christopher Nolan film, there's even a part where I think it was Alice Braga who like asks uh, Ben Affleck's character, are you familiar with the concept of hypnotic constructs? And I was like, oh, my God, this is so <laughs> Nolan right now. I did feel that this idea of a badass like supervillain like William Fitchner, who's using mind control to hypnotize people to do anything that he wants 
And how do you stop a guy like that? And then Ben Affleck uncovers mysterious powers that he may or may not be able to possess as well. On paper, this is a really cool idea. I think also, like, something we kind of touched upon is the action sequences. And, like, the powers, it's cool. And I think the only time it's really intricated in the action sequence, like, it flows really well. Like, it's a mesh of both, like, just gunfighting and then the hypnotic powers is, like, the very final reveal sequence at the end at, like, a farmhouse. And that's the only time it's meshed well. Besides other times, it'll be like, ooh, this character's not really here. Flip. And then it'll just be, like, a chase sequence or something, and then it's just normal gunplay. Or just, like, there's, it's not really balanced well. And I felt like if Rodriguez used a better way to visually showcase the powers at certain times, especially in the action, I think it would have been, like, so much more captivating to, like, a viewer. Yeah, it is sort of weird that this movie's premise relies so much on visual manipulation of environments and characters. And the way that it chooses to showcase that is in the most bland way you could possibly imagine. And yeah, even at the end, I mean, it was a little more inventive, but it was also around a completely transparent twist that they were going to show at that point. Like you could see that coming from 3000 miles away. So I couldn't really get invested in what they were showing me visually because it was all around a story point that was so uninteresting and predictable. Giovanni, you mentioned check your old Haley before. Yeah. He's got what? Four minutes of screen time max. Oh, not even, not even. I I was so close to going back and just, pulling out like a stopwatch and time again. I saw him and I was like, oh, we're cooking. He's fun. And then they do a hypnotic thing and it's like, nope. And I was like, come on, please. He was the only like energy brought into that movie for like most of it. Yeah. And and I have to kind of concur with you more so Giovanni than Josh on this one. I wish William Finchner brought a little bit more of a theatrical tone to his role because I, I did feel like it was grounded in such like self-seriousness and considering how bland Affleck was, the whole movie just had this tone to it that I just couldn't mesh with. I'm not trying to say like, oh, we got to be cracking like one-liner jokes and things like that, but it didn't feel like anybody was actually like emotionally invested in this project. Yeah. Although, again, Alice Braga really tries to make you want to keep watching. Like, it's salute to her. Like, she really is delivering some of the most boring exposition and at least i'm like okay like i could see like she's really carrying the movie because she's a big part of the story like i mean affleck's the lead but it's like both of them like if she doesn't do any of like what she's able to bring on screen it would the movie would fall flat even worse i feel like also the most like obnoxious element of this movie and i hope this is not a spoiler but there's an end credit sequence at the end that Wait, what? suggests that this is going to be, yeah, a franchise. Yeah, there's sequel bait. There's an end credit scene? You, di- you didn't watch it, Giovanni? No. <laughs> no. Yep. <laughs> well, it's like a mid-credit scene, yeah. I had a feeling, and I was also watching it with a friend of mine, and we were talking about it afterwards, so the credits are rolling. And I was like, you know, I have a feeling there might be something, because this feels like the kind of movie where they, they would be silly enough to presume that this was good enough for another film and sure enough when you know the scene came up i just burst out laughing so freaking hard because i don't think the movie justifies there being another one 
And the way that they go about trying to set it up anyway is, once again, wholly predictable, entirely bland. You could probably predict exactly what the end credit scene is, Giovanni, without me giving you any hints whatsoever. I'm literally on Wikipedia trying to see. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my Lord. (laughs) Yes. You know what? I need a sequel now. I'm sorry. I take back everything I said. (laughs) Yeah, it's ridiculous. Oh, my. At least the movie's like, what, 93 minutes, 94 minutes. And yet it feels like it's the longest 90 something minute movie I've seen in a long time. Truly. Yeah. Because it is so unbelievably boring. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I can't even tell you all one single action set piece in this movie. I think there was something with a train. I'm trying to remember. They were like running. But you know what scene? You know what scene I do remember, though? I do remember the scene involving, uh, Rourke's uh that's that's Ben Affleck's characters uh partner Nick's played by JD uh Pardo and he's handcuffed to a jail cell oh yeah I thought that was a pretty cool sequence I remember yeah and then I was like okay that's a bit more like just bloody fun I was like okay he's just ripping his hand off the handcuff and then you can also barely see anything in that scene yeah I mean yeah but like at least that happens, and then compared to, like, the rest of the violence you see in the movie, it's just, like, nowhere near. No, but what it was, the reason why it worked is because the exposition of how the hypnotics works and how it makes uh, an individual so driven to accomplish whatever they've been hypnotized to do that they're willing to go to any extremes whatsoever and also that they'll never, ever stop under no circumstance. To see that visually play out, that's what made that scene interesting. Versus Alice Braga just like saying stuff and then not getting any kind of visual representation for it. I do agree that the idea is very interesting. And and yes, during that sequence, I also felt like, oh, this is like a little bit more compelling here. Like I am a little bit more invested. But once again, it is so badly shot because we could barely see anything in this dark hallway that I was just more frustrated than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Who did the cinematography on this movie? Two people. Oh, and it's Robert. Yeah, he always shoots his own. <laughs> Damn. Wow. Yeah, it just didn't work. Didn't work this time. No, m- most of the cinematography in this movie is not very good. And the other action set pieces that you see are, once again, like, not not very inventive either. Like, yeah, the... The like chase sequence in the the train yard is just blatantly ripping off Inception. Like there is a shot of it kind of the the horizon curving up on itself and you see yep. it on the sky. Like it, it is just it is just the Paracene in Inception, like literally that. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, th- this movie owes everything to Inception and, and, and owes nothing to Inception at the same time because <laughs> oh, it, it just can't stand on its own. It, it can't even run with its ideas to be anything near as compelling, unfortunately. Now, I do want to get into some spoiler territory here because, Josh, you said you wanted to delve a little bit further in the third act. Um, so for those of you that are listening that have not seen the movie, we're going to do that right now. So if you have not watched Hypnotic and you don't want to be spoiled, this would be a good point to turn off the podcast. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. 
pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Yeah, so we do get to this uh, reveal at the end. Where we basically find out that everything has been made up in, in his head. And, like, it's a twist that we've seen in other stuff before. I think you can kind of figure that that's where it's sort of heading just because they they do. When you have a world where anything can be made up, you kind of expect that. But when they started to basically do the whole movie again and they're cross-cutting between what we already saw and this like fake world that he's existing in and we see what's quote-unquote really happening. It's a movie set. Yeah, I have to admit, though, like, I was so interested it. in that. Like, yeah. yes. And I wanted them to go further. Like, I actually really wanted to see the rest of the movie in, like, these barren sets. And that would have been actually sort of more interesting to to witness. And Lars von Trier stroking his chin. I, exactly. <laughs> like, and, and to get that in what is, I guess, a big budget action movie was, like, a little bit more like experimental and it's like, Oh, I didn't expect to see this. And I'm interested to see where, how they recreate these sequences on this like smaller scale, but then they just abandon it and it becomes generic action movie towards the end. And I was really disappointed because it's like, this was the moment where it's like, I have to, you know, an hour's worth of really boring material. And finally we get to something that's kind of unique and innovative and has my interest and then we're only here for like 10 minutes and then we're just back to it being bland again. And it was was so let down. But that one little section I thought was actually the most interesting part of the movie by far. Yep. I completely 100 percent agree with you on this. I, too, felt like that that was the best point in the movie. And, you know, I was getting like really heavy Shutter Island vibes uh, from it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then when they go to the farm uh, at the end, I was also getting like looper vibes all over again. Yeah. <laughs> So this movie feels like it's pulling from a lot of different sources here to try and create something that is going to be memorable for the audience. But unfortunately, it just all doesn't coalesce together because once again, I don't feel like any of us are really that wholly invested in the Danny Rourke character. And if we're not going to be invested emotionally in that, then it's really, really tough to you know, be on board with the rest of the project. And, you know, I was trying to figure out why are we not, why, like, why is this not working? And what I kind of came to the realization of was he's clearly uh, distraught over his daughter being kidnapped four years ago. Uh, he was there in the park when it happened. It, it can happen to literally any parent at any time. You take your eyes off your kid for one second, boom, they're gone. So it's a really horrific thing. But we never get any flashbacks or anything about their relationship she is only seen through this one event so there's not much to really latch on to there in terms of creating some sort of a strong emotional connection to the character because we don't see like what kind of a dad he is now for the sake of the twist in this movie I do understand maybe wanting to preserve that a little bit but you can also present other scenes out of context to help drive that emotionality a little bit more. Okay, and now that we're talking spoilers, that's we just talked about like the big reveal with the the warehouse and we talked about how cool it was. And then from then on it was just like that was the domino and the rest of the domino started falling of like, ooh, new twist, new twist. And it's like, 
oh, well, secretly, we knew and you were part of this group and we're controlling your mind. And then immediately I was like, well, I feel like Ben Affleck's going to escape or something because he's the mastermind. And then it's like, wow, Ben Affleck is the mastermind. He's really outsmarting you. And then everything with the daughter. And it's like, well, we're outsmarting you. And it's just constantly like who's outsmarting who the whole time to the very end of the movie. The amount of story that this movie covers in its third act is astronomical. Like four minutes goes by and it feels like we got two movies worth of plot development. <laughs> yeah, know? well, that's because nothing happens in the first hour of the movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, God. And then, like, when we get to the farm, too, it it's not only boring, but it's also, like, I don't understand what decisions are being made here. Because, like, wouldn't the this group of villains know that they're trying to capture somebody who's, like, the best hypnotic in the planet? It's like, you didn't anticipate that this would probably all be a, a made-up construct when you showed up? Like, you didn't have a yep. contingency plan for that? And... And then, yeah, when we see it, it's like, okay, yeah, well, we all predicted that it was going to be fake. And then the big plan is just basically everybody shoots each other. Like, that's that's the best we could do right now. And ugh, it's just so unbelievably, like, just standard action fare that with, with very little creativity. And I was just so disappointed in that because, like, look, no matter what your feelings about Rodriguez or his movies, like, he can be a very creative filmmaker you, you know yeah you don't always have to like the product at the end of it but what he does usually like the process is kind of interesting but to just see it devolve into the most boilerplate ending you could possibly imagine for this movie was just so underwhelming yeah i i totally it makes no sense like it just you're watching it like this makes no sense why covid i i, I don't know was this movie like made a? It had to have been made a while back, right? And it was just in the can for a bit, or I don't know. I mean, that's my guess based on what we got. But... It does feel a little bit like a COVID production, and just in terms of how like small scale it actually really is. But you can make something small scale and still have a lot of energy and style to it. And this movie is just really missing that. The other thing too that kills me about the third act of this movie is. After the main threat has been dealt with, then they proceed to have another final exposition dump revealing how the daughter was involved this whole time, what the parents were trying to do to get back to her. And I was like, you know, you could have done this before the division showed up to give then that scene more uh stakes and catharsis and no they saved it all for afterwards and i just felt like in the scripting stage that that should have been an easy fix also to what josh said now that i'm thinking about it yeah for, you know for a special black ops group of like hypnotics them just not expecting the potential chance they will be like <laughs> mind controlled on <laughs> at the least bit is just why aren't you guys the best like what's happening here and it's not like they don't know that they're trying to capture a powerful hypnotic. Like, that is the whole objective <laughs> yeah. of the movie. They're trying to capture the most powerful person in this program that is they've ever produced. So it's not like they were shocked by these abilities. It's just it doesn't make any sense. And there's like a lot of stuff like that in this movie. I'm thinking about an, another scene, actually, uh, the, the Jackie Earl Haley moment when they do the same thing to his wife. In that scene that they send her to imagine like she's on the beach, but then there's also a twist with him. So it's like, wait, what? 
was he was Jackie Earl Haley always there at one point or not? Yes. And is the white like what what is happening with the logic of this movie now? It doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> yeah, for Fincher trying to catch them the whole time, I'm like, you're like point blank right in front of them now. You're telling me you can't like incapacitate them like at all real quickly. Instead, we have to just force a chase sequence right after this. Yeah, this movie is a mess. It's confusing and not because of its plotting. I actually, like I said, maybe during the course of the film, I was not so much confused about what was happening, but I was confused by so many of the storytelling decisions, the execution of it all from a filmmaking standpoint, that by the time it was all over, there's no other way to describe this movie other than a mess. And I've seen some people try to defend it, saying, oh, it kind of harkens back to these nothing B-movies of the 90s. No, that, no, no, uh, no, yeah, no, no. I've seen this defense, and I'm like, come on, really? That's what you're going to say? Freaking Robert Rodriguez was making those movies in the 90s, and those are better than this. I would tell you if this was in that kind of a mode, because I would be all for it. I mean, you know, Matt, I would be a very big champion I know. if this movie was in the vein of like cheesy B grade action movies from the 90s. But it's it might be trying to capture that tone, but it utterly fails at it. Yeah, like like all four of Robert Rodriguez's films from the 90s, El Mariachi, Desperado from Dust Till Dawn, The Faculty, they're all better than this. Oh, no, no question. Yeah, this is like... <laughs> Oh, I really hate saying it like this. This might be like one of his worst movies. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's his worst. No, because there's a there's a period in there, as I said, where he was making stuff for his kids that those are pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. But it's near it's near to the bottom now. It's a pretty rough one two combo with the Boba Fett show. Now this we need a we need more Grindhouse Robert Rodriguez. Come on. L- listen, listen, Giovanni. Spy Kids Armageddon. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Zachary Levi. Oh, yeah, so great. Love it. Gina Rodriguez. <laughs> oh, my Billy Magnuson. Okay, all right. I actually like Billy. The cinematic event of 2023. Oh, Lord. Get ready. I'm not. <laughs> okay, so final thoughts here on Hypnotic. Josh, you go first. Um, I guess a couple things. One, like, look. Uh, you know, bless Jeff Fahey, but why that character was not Danny Trejo, I will not understand. We're in a Robert Rodriguez <laughs> film. Why is Danny Trejo not in this movie? Like, come on. That should have been him. And, I, and Jeff Fahey, I know, is also, he's shown up in other Rodriguez stuff, but come on. We need Danny Trejo if you're making a Robert Rodriguez film. But maybe he knew to stay away <laughs> from this material. Maybe. I, I will admit I was a little excited to see Jeff Fahey then he does absolutely nothing in the movie. Uh, yeah, which I expect to because that character shows up so late and there's nothing for him to do with that material either. Nope. Um, and then the other thing I just want to mention is uh, one moment that I did actually find to be kind of amusing, even though it probably played into some other problems with the film, is that when they do show up at Jackie Earl Haley's place and Ben Affleck is standing in the door and he's being held at gunpoint and he's told to like put his hands up, he just like does it for half a second and then puts them back down, which on the one hand feels like it is, once again, very lazy and just Ben Affleck not caring. But in that one moment, I have to admit, I kind of chuckled because even if it wasn't intentional, I thought it actually was 
kind of an amusing bit of character to be like, I perceive you as so little of a threat that I will just like raise my hands up for half a second and then put them back down. And that's me raising my hands. So <laughs> it's, it's slim pickings in this movie to pick out stuff that I actually enjoyed. But that was one moment where I was like, OK, that was sort of amusing bit of character to be like, I, I don't care about this moment. And it actually sort of worked for the overall tone of what they were going for. Yeah, there, there's some stuff in this movie that amused me, just not in the way that they were intending. That's for sure. <laughs> right, right. Anything else? No, that is about it, because I have very little to say about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Giovanni, what about you? Oh, that's uh, hard to follow up. I'm, you know, some good editing every now and then showcasing the powers. And Alice Braga, you know, she's all right compared to everyone else, relatively. Um, but it's just rough. It's it's drabs, not fun. It's pretty lifeless. But it's okay because I'm ready for the sequel that I just learned about like 10 minutes ago. So I'm ready. <laughs> I will say that the one thing that I'm really happy about is I'm so glad that I saw this now before I went to Cannes. <laughs> because if I had to watch this at Cannes, I would have been beside myself. That would have been an interesting time. You know, wow, Killers of the Flower Moon. And then I move out the way. I'm watching Hypnotic. All right. <sighs> okay, my final thoughts here. Uh, I think it's the first shot of the movie of his eye opening. Direct Blade Runner reference. Did you guys, uh, I, this is what my brain does nowadays. When they referenced the safety deposit, uh, safety deposit box number 23, I started thinking of the number 23 with Jim Carrey. <laughs> I loved it to establish that <laughs> this is so random. I love that to establish that our two lead characters are now on the run. They have them wearing sunglasses and hats in the bar <laughs> as like to disguise themselves. Did you guys like pick up on how visually hilarious this was? It's like they do that in like every Marvel movie. And like I was like, who in the right minds like, you know, no, but here so it looked really cheesy, though, it's like, like really cheesy. Baseball cap, sunglasses, like some type of leather jacket. Oh, yeah. Incognito. Like, no, you stand out. Yeah, if anything, you do stand out. Like, this is not a Top Gun cosplay contest. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, if the movie was more fun, that could have been, like, a more enjoyable element. But instead, it just feels like it's it's just more generic, if anything else. Giovanni, you mentioned Star Wars earlier. Uh, there is a fun moment where they cross the Mexican border and uh, they have like an Obi-Wan Kenobi moment of like, which way is it to Mexico? Yeah. And they get the Border Patrol cop to let them through. Oh, God. I forgot that even. <laughs> These are not the hypnotics you are looking for. You know, that was actually another thing that I was also disappointed by is that I sort of wanted the like the cues that they were using to get people to manipulate to do stuff to actually be more tied into what they were doing. Like at the very beginning when he tells the woman like it's hot out and she starts like taking her clothes off. Like that was one thing, but most of the time it was just like, they just said one thing and they just did it. I wanted more creativity in terms of what they were telling, like what the cue that they told them was to then what they were actually doing. Jackie Earl Haley, when he started doing his exposition dump, that's when the movie did start to lose me a little bit in terms of its rules and where we were going. But eventually it all makes sense in the end. And like I said, it makes almost too much sense because it's so predictable that I wish there was even 
just some level of originality in how this movie was scripted and in how it was executed and presented to its audience. It's just such a disappointment. That's why I keep harping on this. I don't remember the name of the guy that they go visit at the hotel, but that dude has to organize his desktop. <laughs> Did you all see how many folders oh. he had on that desktop? Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Um, the green and red lighting in the hotel room. I'm not saying it was good. I'm not saying it was bad. All I'm saying is that I noticed it. I don't know what the context of this is, but is this like, did I write this down because of the line reading? I, I, I wrote down gently asks him where Minnie is and he replies, go to hell. Yeah. Maybe that was maybe that was a Jeff Fahey line at one uh, point. Maybe I I cannot remember. I mean, it yeah. could have been something that Ben Affleck said to to Fishner, but uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> so, and maybe I'm maybe I was making making note of like how bland Affleck's delivery was. That that sounds about right. Yeah, probably because everything he says is just so noncommittal. Like he he really does look like he would prefer to be any place else. Do you guys think those dominoes were CGI or practical? I think they were 100% CGI. With yeah. a $65 million budget, I hope it was going towards something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did have that thought too, but like, yeah, I've, I'm pretty sure that they were CGI. Okay. Uh, I don't want to come off like a broken record here. This is such a disappointment. It's, I can't even say it's going to be like one of the biggest disappointments of the year because there wasn't like a tremendous amount of hype around this movie. I feel like I only learned about this movie's existence right around the time South by Southwest happened. I didn't even realize it was in production. So it's not like I was eagerly anticipating it. I also, like I said earlier, other than some of his earlier work, Robert Rodriguez has just not done it for me in recent years. So sorry, people. I'm not a part of the Alita battle army, whatever it's whatever it's called. I am disappointed for Affleck, though. I am disappointed that it does feel like he has been on a streak lately, uh, lately, as you said earlier, Giovanni. I've liked his performances even in movies that I didn't entirely like, like The Tender Bar. Um, but this is just a bad movie, bad performance, pretty much almost bad everything. It's really, really hard for me to even find positives to give this a good rating here, but I don't know, maybe because I watched it with my friend, uh, my roommate, we, we had a good time watching it for, for what it was. I, I would give it an extremely weak three out of 10. That's being generous because I think it deserves less. But at the same time, I can't deny that I had a good time watching it, but not for the reasons that they intended. Giovanni, what about you? Yeah, I was at the same, like a very, very weak three out of ten. Josh? Wow. I mean, I'm just well, first of all, I'm just kind of reeling that you just said, I mean, I kind of enjoyed it three out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I didn't like I didn't enjoy the movie. I enjoyed watching it with my buddy. Like we were cracking jokes and like laughing at how ridiculous it was and how bad it was. So the experience of watching it was something that I enjoyed because um, I didn't see this in the theater. I saw it on screener. I think if I was watching in a theater, I probably would rate it less. I'd probably rate it like a two out of 10. <laughs> okay. Um, because I'm actually going to, to give it a four out of 10. Whoa. To me, well, well, here's the thing is that for me, anything below the four is stuff that I like, just really like hated <laughs> essentially. And I couldn't really bring myself to really hate this movie. I was just so 
uninterested in it. And honestly, I think that most of it was a three out of 10, but then that one section of them doing the reset and kind of going through the movie again, that like was enough to kind of get me back into it just ever so slightly. And then, yeah, it, it lost me again, but like this movie, I don't really have a strong opinion on it. Like I don't, I don't think it's good, but I also, it does not conjure up any strong emotion for me to also hate it at the same time. It's just so in the middle, like kind of bland and boring and I don't like it, but I don't hate it either. So it's completely forgettable with a couple things that are sort of interesting in it. And that's why I say it's a four out of 10, but that's still not something I would ever recommend. It's just not something I absolutely hated at the end of the day either. I'm having a hard time with your justification, but uh, all right. I mean, I'm not recommending the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think the difference between a three and a four is still don't go see it. It's not a good movie. All right. Well, uh, this section should be really short. No Oscar potential. No, absolutely not. It's like you had one job, one job to make the visual effects interesting. And you couldn't even do that. Like the warping, like you guys said, of the environments, the train uh, yard sequence, everything to do with the buildings. I was kind of shocked that they couldn't even attempt to make that look somewhat better. And as as mentioned earlier, the fact that I can't even tell you a single action set piece in this movie, I can't recall a single one. The way that they visualized the uh, hypnotics is also extremely bland. Yeah, it's just, there's no way. Absolutely no way. No. And I don't think any Rodriguez film has been nominated for an Oscar, if I recall. So I don't think it's starting with this one. I don't know. Maybe a Razzie nomination. Who knows? If the Razzies even remember this movie. Yeah. Okay, well, that'll do it here for our review of Hypnotic here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Giovanni Lago, tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find you on the internet. You can find me on Twitter at the Giovanni Lago. Josh Parham. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at JR Parham. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, 
and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday.